You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. This right here is our 50th episode. Pause for DJ Airhorn sound effect. It's <laughs> <laughs> the kind of quality programming we have on the Teen Wolf Rewolf. No, I'm going to go back and put it in there. Okay. Yeah. It's we're halfway through. I know cuz there are only 100 episodes of Teen Wolf. Fine by me. Yeah, every time I see a show that's like we celebrated our 100th episode and they've like just been renewed for a new season, I'm like, mm. <laughs> yeah. No. Don't like it. That's a no for me. Yeah. But uh we're cruising. But we're not podcasting those shows. I think 100 is good. That's it's it. It's decent. Yeah. 100, a couple bonus ups here and there. Some mini-sodes, and we're done. Mm-hmm. And you will never hear from us ever again. I will fall off the face of the earth. Do not contact me. Julia, lose my number. <laughs> <laughs> we, we live in the same house, but lose, lose my number. If you make eye contact with me, I'm moving it's out. over. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We've been uh, housebound for several days. Oh, my God. The so. weather. If you are living in this, these like the southern United States and are experiencing this for the first time... Girl, I am so sorry. That totally sucks. Uh, but also, everybody in Chicago was like, please stop snowing. <laughs> please. Oh, first siren of the app. Um, actually, very concerning because a lot of the roads have not been plowed. Like, I'm curious. I also I think, okay. like, when people lose power, you start heating your house in dangerous ways. And mm-hmm. I feel like that might not be the only siren we hear probably it's been relatively quiet so far but that's also because um literally all of the cars that are parked on our street right now you just can't see them oh yeah they're completely they're just under snow it looks like we had an avalanche it kind of does and like looking at the snow banks some of them are as tall as i am yeah yeah (laughs) we can't get down our back stairs it is ice city out there yes um queen elsa is here to stay I'm actually legitimately scared of the icicles. Uh, does anyone else have that problem? Are icicles a fear for anyone? You know what's a big fear for me? Kind of related, hmm. tangentially, thin ice. I am like <laughs> I crazy afraid of falling through thin ice. And like we live in like a water planet and like we live in a lake state. Like it's totally possible. It can happen <laughs> at any time. Yeah, I remember seeing this TikTok the other day that was like, oh, look, we found my husband in his natural habitat on thin fucking ice. <laughs> Very funny. It does not at all quell my fear of dying because it's not the drowning that gets you. It's the shock It's the hyperthermia. response. No, mm-hmm. it's the shock response. It's mm-hmm. so cold that your body's immediate response is to suck in. So people just breathe in water the second they, they go under. That's fun. Terrifying. Um. Yeah. Anyway, now that I've just completely disgusted everyone listening, welcome to the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast, <laughs> a podcast where we will eventually talk about Teen Wolf, I promise. Uh, my name is Christian. I'm Julia. Oh my God, thin ice really scares me. <laughs> I, I have like bad dreams about it and I'm not afraid of water mm-hmm. and I love winter weather. I just, I, I think I've just heard too many scary stories about it. Probably. I feel like it's kind of a prominent feature in movies. Like, that's what happens in It's a Wonderful Life to the younger son. Yes. And also in Little Women. Mm-hmm. Um, although Amy doesn't die. I mean, neither does the brother in It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. Um, but it, but it is, George loses his hearing. It is scary. Um, I don't know. I was just thinking I saw a video of a car just, like, 
sliding down the street because it's all black ice. And I'm thinking about the other week when there was a car that just came rocketing up the street. I was walking past and crashed into 25 cars. Yeah, but that guy was drunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was all over the news. It's just really weird that it happened so close to us. Um, City living. With no inclement weather whatsoever. No. I can only no. imagine that similar activities are happening right now, but not on purpose. I saw a TikTok that was like, living in America is just about picking which natural disasters you'd like to deal with most frequently like sure california is cool but you might burn to death and also an earthquake might kill you Mm -hmm. you could also live you know in a warm state hurricanes if you live in the midwest you might just freeze to death lots of venomous snakes also in the south in the south yeah in the southwest especially Mm -hmm. and just you know alligators people who live on hawaii have it made (laughs) except for their colonialism (laughs) and the volcanoes Oh, shit, fuck, you cannot live anywhere in this country. Oh, my God. I I read an article once that was like, if you're wondering why you constantly hear about American weather, it's because it genuinely is that bad. It is um, the Wild Wild West. United we stand. Mm -hmm. Anywho, uh, this week we watched the second episode of season four of Teen Wolf, and it's called 117. Or 117. Or whatever. Or 117. Um... It's like when, how when the hundred came out, everyone was like, "Is this the one hundred? The fact that it's not the one hundred actually makes me angry. It's the hundred. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't tell you why. The, it sh- they should have just denoted how it should be said by titling it as such. Um, it was a book series, so I think you just have to take that up with the author. Who wrote it originally? I will not be doing that. I will not be pushing this further. Uh, Anyway, but yeah, this episode um, brings us a lot of fun setup for the season. Mm -hmm. Um, Tons of exposition. Um, It was directed by Christian Taylor of Motel California fame. And little else fame, (laughs) which is very strange. And written by Egan O'Donnell, who has also written for Scream, a horrible show that I love, and uh, a 2020 show called Messiah, which I've not watched, and Angela Harvey, the MVP of Teen Wolf. Yeah, I love Angela. She's just there for all of it. Um, Um, Fun to introduce a new writer. mm -hmm. I thought this episode was was pretty fun. Um, We get a lot of info. Really good humor in this episode. I found myself laughing out loud, which um, I wasn't doing a whole lot in 3B, I'll be honest. 3B is dark. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> it is rough. I mean, yeah. good, so good. I love tragedy. but mm-hmm. um, So before we dig into this episode, we do have to do our 60-second recap, and you are going first. Uh, I am, yeah. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. One, two, three. Okay, so we're back in time with baby Derek, who is wolfing out at a basketball game, and Pete is, Peter is trying to teach him how to control the shift. Kate is having a breakdown in a gas station bathroom, and then she attacks the attendant and murders him. Um, the gang takes baby De- Derek to Deaton, and he's like, well, there's not a lot we can do until he wakes up. Um, Scott runs into Raphael, who's still trying to be a good dad. Um, Derek runs away. After he wakes up, um, Malia is struggling in class, and Mr. Yukimura calls on her and is kind of mean about it. Um, Derek goes back to, I wrote Hill House. I meant Hale House. Um, and he realizes that everything burned down because he doesn't have any of his memories. Scott shows up the hell, to help. Um, the girls are hanging out, and they find the dead body at the gas station. Um, Malia shows up to meet Peter. There's a really awkward family dinner with Raphael, Derek, and Styles. Um, Kate shows up to grab Derek because she wants to go to their family crypt, basic, or vault and then the berserkers come to the school uh and even though everyone's there they kind of get beaten up and someone comes into the vault and steals all of the bearer bonds 117 million dollars from peter and it's very sad all righty you made it yes i actually feel like 
I got most of it. I will say, <laughs> the I always feel confident at the start of seasons because things are a lot less complicated and I have a lot mm-hmm. less to fill in. Like, I remember, like, I think the first episode of 3A, I was like, this is easy. Why did I think it's so hard to do the recap? <laughs> and then we get to the middle of the season and I'm like, I don't know anyone's names anymore. Where am I? What time is it? Yeah, I, I'm, I've been trying to remember kind of what the plot of this season is and I'm remembering that it's the Deadpool and I just, we're going to be moving on and I'm going to have no idea what's happening. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. 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 Well, Christian, it's your turn to try <laughs> <Gross>. and uh, <laughs> recap Okey-dokey. in sixty seconds. So let us see. Are you ready? Uh huh. Okay. Three, two, one, go. So we have the flashback where Derek is like struggling to control his shift, and Peter gives him the Triskelion and gives him a mantra, and it's like not really working. And then Kate is having a breakdown in a gas station bathroom, and then kills the attendant. And then baby Derek, they take baby Derek to uh, Deaton's, and Lydia's like, "We'll stay with him." And then Scott goes home, and Raphael is on the couch, and is like, "Where were you?" And then Derek wakes up at Deaton's, and then attacks them, and then runs away. And at, they have some like high school time, and Mr. Kumara is like not really nice to Kira, and then uh, Lydia's like, "You need to come help," because they lost Derek and then they find him at the sheriff's station because he ran away to the Hale house and Parrish finds him and is like, uh, and like Derek doesn't know that his family is dead. And then there's like the Lydia Kira moment at the gas station where they find the dead body. And then Scott goes to find Peter because he's like, this Peter's going to be the only one to help us turn back Derek. And then Kate finds Derek at Scott's house um, and he takes him to the vault and the berserkers show up and they're fighting at the school and then Peter gets into the vault and uh, then somebody is like, Kate, you're stupid. This Triskelion does nothing. And then somebody throws like uh, whatever it's called, like decoy buzzers. Uh, (laughs) It's like um, smoke bombs Mm -hmm. into into the, the vault and steals all of their money. Yes, and I will say that the thing that I forgot and that also you forgot, Derek is back to himself at the end. Oh, s- true. So Ray, he's an with adult man. But with eyes. Born again. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so. Yes. I really <laughs> could have totally made it through because it's in my notes that Derek is an adult at the end. Oh, me too. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, I was busy forgetting what a smoke bomb was called. <laughs> um. And there's like light flashing, and, and stuff my brain too. just kept being like uh, the decoy detonators from Harry Potter, which are cool as hell. Which are cool, but I was like, that's not human speak, and it's embarrassing to reference Harry <laughs> Potter in 2021. Um, well, I definitely called the Hale House the Hill House. So. Uh, yeah, and then took time out of your one minute to correct <laughs> yourself. So truly, like no one's winning. No, but we like to inject the humor where we can. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, I'm like, we're so funny. And then I go back and listen, and I'm like, not oh at all. No, we aren't. Um, so we're going to be talking about this episode through the theme of misdirection. Everybody's kind of being pushed in different ways. Uh, everything is very sort of like, everyone seems to have a hand on their shoulder, um, pushing them in the wrong in, in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And um, whether it's things like uh, Kate manipulating Derek or... Um, even like Lydia's sort of, you know, Banshee visions sort of pushing her, um, to find things that aren't necessarily, uh, plot appropriate. Yes. Um, and there are, uh, secrets which have not yet been disclosed and folks are trying to keep that under wraps for as long as possible. Yep. Yep. So where do you want to start? Um, I want to talk about Scott. Okay. Um, He's the star of the show. I get it. Star of the show. Also, <laughs> I mean, why well, I feel like in in the 
chronological plot of this episode. Scott's kind of the first person um, who brings up his need to misdirect people. Um, yes. Because he's talking about how badly he feels that they haven't told Malia that Peter is her father. Yeah, well, it's funny because this is a conversation that Styles actually starts because apparently Malia just sleeps in his bed every night and... Uh, he's always the little spoon. Good. Good. <laughs> Adorable. <wholesome>. Yes. <laughs> um, but... Styles is having a hard time, like, clearly they're intimate, but Styles is having a hard time qualifying what they have with each other because he feels like he's lying to her, and he says that to Scott about not telling her that Peter is her dad. Yes, clearly I misremembered that particular exchange, but they're both in on that. Um, <laughs> I wish we had seen the scratches on his back. I feel like we deserved to see. Yeah. Kind of scandalous, kind of fun. A little. Especially because Styles, for the most part, has been, like, a character that is, like, sort of, like, the virgin in the friend group. And now that he's not, I'm like, yeehaw, we got that over with. And he's having a good time. Except for the guilt, (laughs) the crushing, crushing guilt. Uh Um, I actually funnily enough have been like trying to catch up on Riverdale and there's like a really silly little, I'm like kissed someone when I was dating someone else. And they're like, are you mad at me? And Frickin' Jughead Jones is like, actually, with all like, you know, the murdering and mysteries, I think a little normal teenage angst is like good for us. I think if I met Cole Sprouse, (laughs) I would not be able to think about anything but the stupid I'm weird, I'm a weirdo (laughs) monologue. And it would ruin the interaction. Like, I wouldn't be able to be normal about it. And I'm generally very normal <laughs> when meeting people. So, uh... <laughs> um, yeah, I think about that exchange so often. But, yeah, it's like it feels very normal high school, minus the fact that Malia is a were-coyote and they're hiding I her lineage. missed high school. I missed high school in the last season. Mm-hmm. Not you personally missing high school. No, th- my high school experience was garbageage, but I missed them going to high school. Yeah, Deaton even makes a crack about it um, when they're all hanging out and being like, well, what do we do about this small Derek man? Yeah, and, and even that scene when they're in class and he's like calling on Malia, even though he knows she doesn't know the answer, that totally happened in high school. You'd be like unprepared or reading under your desk. I was always yelled at for reading under my desk and then they'd ask me, answer, ask me a question and I'd be like... Yeah, I don't know, because I'm, like, halfway through the Maze Runner right now, so. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, it's at, really out of character for Mr. Yukimura to yeah. talk to her like that. It's kind of mean. Anywho, back to Scott. Mm-hmm. Scott, yeah, is the one that pushes that it's not, they can't really tell her, which is interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, I think that Malia is kind of an odd character because as we've mentioned before she really did turn into a were coyote when she was eight and so she's doing a lot of like making up for lost time um which is obviously like really emotionally hard for her and she's been through a lot of traumatizing events and so then to find out that her parents one of whom she has spent years feeling guilty over killing uh aren't actually her parents how horrible would that be pretty bad just just awful um yeah i i think yeah scott is kind of in a position where he wants especially probably because he's so fragile he doesn't want to keep having to break bad news to people and also wants to keep malia away from peter because peter as uh <laughs> is described in this episode is satan in a v-neck and let me tell you if satan exists he wears a v-neck <laughs> uh almost certainly uh-huh yeah, it's, um, 
very interesting to see, and we were talking about this in the last episode, how Scott has really reverted back to a leadership role in this um, season, really. And not that he wasn't in one in, in 3B, but the focus kind of shifted off of him and onto Styles. Mm-hmm. Um, so now he's back to being like alpha and making all of these decisions that influence people's lives. And, uh, you know, Scott is still very new and still a high schooler, and it's really hard for him to determine whether or not he's making the right decisions as they determine people's lives. And they say, going into talking to Derek in that police station, that he's going to tell him the truth about his parents. Um, And when it comes down to it, he can't. And Mm -hmm. again, we see another piece of misdirection where he basically manipulates Derek into saying, like, if you come with us, I'll tell you everything that happened with no intention of doing that. Which... It sounds kind of insidious on the surface, Mm -hmm. but Scott really could not go through. Scott was just really unprepared to um, give baby Derek information that he would have to re-grieve his entire family. Yes, and we talk all the time about how Teen Wolf doesn't have any funerals. Teen Wolf doesn't have a lot of room for characters to be grieving and to land that all on baby Derek in one episode because he goes back to being normal sized Derek Uh at the end. Um, one is just a strategic writing move, but also like from Scott's perspective, is it really worth telling him if we can figure out how to get him back to where he was? Yeah. So it is for his benefit, but it feels, I don't know. It feels like Derek has a right to know. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's really hard to sort of, um, reckon those when you're watching it yeah um you know we are so blessed by scott that we know that any attempt at misdirection in terms of his relationships to his friends are is with the best intention um but i think this is and you know deaton looks at baby Derek and is like i have never seen anything <laughs> like this before and it's like yeah we have never experienced anything like this before so how would scott know what to do right yeah Yet another thing that pops up in the Teen Wolf universe that do we ever get an explanation for it? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They just like, you know how in Matilda, um, in the beginning, the dad like uses a drill to turn the mileage back on the car. Yeah. Just like turn Derek backwards a little bit. That's you know how I Danny DeVito did this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all Danny DeVito's fault. I love Danny DeVito. Who doesn't? I love Matilda. Oh, I'm going to get emo <laughs> thinking about it. I am sorry. If I think not. about it too hard, it's like one of those cry movies. Um, oh, yeah. Um, let's move on to talk a little bit about Styles because Styles, as we said before, this episode is very funny. Mm-hmm. All of Styles' misdirection does uh, involve a little bit of comedy. Um, mm-hmm. And he's sort of doing this kind of all for the benefit of Scott. You know, Scott is kind of the one that's like, yeah, we can't really tell Malia. And Scott is also the one that's like, you need to babysit baby Derek. Have fun. Peace and blessings. Like, I'll go deal with Peter. And at this point, we pretty much know that Peter's not just going to kill them for walking into his apartment. So it's really weird to me that everyone's like, yeah, I'm send backup. <laughs> like, Peter hasn't, I mean, like, Peter obviously is kind of the villain, one of the villains of the season, but like, hasn't tried to kill anybody recently. So like, I don't know. <laughs> Well, I feel like the the biggest concern when you're talking to Peter is like, if you invite him in, you are just going to create more problems. Like if you give a mouse a cookie, 
he's going to want a glass of milk. Like if you invite Peter yes. into, your, <laughs> into your circle, into your problem. Thank you for that problem. stunning literary <laughs> reference. I just got children's lit on the brain, clearly. This, it's kitty lit. Teen Wolf is kitty lit. I've yeah, said it before. Exactly. Um, yeah, so involving Peter, well, one gives him an opportunity to get closer to Malia, and they're obviously trying to keep that from happening. True. She does show up anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and two... We know that Peter is a manipulative son of a bitch. So if he finds out that Derek is a baby now, what would he do? Well, that's true. I guess keeping Derek away from him when he finds that information out is... Well, because the, like... I I mean, it's not obvious because Peter is clearly older than he was at that point. But you could have been like, well, I'll take you to your Uncle Peter as, like, a way to get Derek to trust them. Mm -hmm. And they don't even bring him up. Yeah. Yeah. At all. Um, instead, Styles takes Derek to Scott's house yeah. for some reason. Because, I mean, Scott is, Scott is way too busy to remember that he's supposed to be eating with his dad. Also, like, it's not like his dad is like a facet in his life. He still has to get used to Raphael being there. And so the mm-hmm. fact that family dinner, you know, slipped his mind is like, yep, that, that sounds about right. You had bigger fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Styles brilliantly introduces Derek once again as his cousin Miguel, (laughs) proving that Derek can speak Spanish and is perhaps Mexican. This is, honest to God, one of the biggest questions that I have about Teen Wolf in general. They just, they really do just drop it. And I don't know if it was like the fan response to the previous iteration of my cousin Miguel. And they were like, wouldn't it be so funny funny if we brought him back? And like, Scott is clearly... Mexican. Yes. And Rafael is clearly m- Mexican, like, or at least Spanish speaking, but I think it's implied. Yeah. Um, so. Or it was married to a Mexican woman and this speaks yeah. a little bit of Spanish. And is, I don't know, he seems like he maybe is from Spain. I couldn't tell you. But, um, that'd yeah. be interesting if they were like, oh yeah, Derek is TH Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> That's an excellent way of couching it. Um, Rafael is maybe TH Spanish. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, but then, like, Rafael decides to test him and speak Spanish. Okay, like, I took many years of Spanish, and I, I have no idea what they said to each other. I think it was, like, are you actually from Mexico, uh-huh. is what Rafael asked him. Um, and I have no idea what Derek actually said, but... Wait, we... Derek speaks Spanish. They didn't give us subs, so... No, and they were speaking we kind of up, fast, but... I uh, certainly know help. I took French in high school like an idiot. <laughs> I'm fairly certain that <laughs> Rafa was asking him if he's genuinely from Mexico, but uh-huh. um, a simple C would have yeah. sufficed. <laughs> I would have gotten that probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Styles is, you know, flying by the seat of his pants. He is, does not want Derek to sit down with Raphael because Raphael cannot know what they're up to because he's not in on the werewolfism. And the second that, uh, Derek sits down and realizes that Raphael is in law enforcement. He can start asking questions about what happened to the Hills. And they have decided that is for, for the time being better to not let him know. And upon finding out, he obviously, as anybody would, freaks out. And Styles is left being like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we would have told you. And then that leaves Derek wide open to be uh, taken scooped up in. by somebody he trusts. Mm-hmm. Kate. Okay, should we talk about Kate her? Argent. Yeah, let's do it. <sighs> that bathroom murder is so gruesome and so good. It's really, really excellent. I think I like Kate better as a jaguar than I liked her as a hunter. Um, I think it... Mm. She was just sort of like... I hated her sort of like... um. 
I hated that she was politically evil as a hunter, and now she's just genuinely unhinged and despicable. Like it's in her nature. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting. I think um, the the design of her as a were jaguar is interesting. Um, kind of odd. It just looks like tattoos. It does. Kind of. Um, Why is she blue? Why is she blue? I don't know. I'm blue. You let that go on too long. <laughs> I sure did, but I was you know lost in the moment. Um, yeah, Kate went through all of that. She kidnapped Derek. She waited for him to do the little reversey reverse, um, all to get the Triskelion. Which is a lot of effort well, for something like that. And she clearly believes it like has significant value and or is magical. Yes. And will help her control the shift, which is uh, not going so well for her at the moment. Yeah, I mean, Kate is somebody who um, has never tried to better themselves in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> and relatable. And <laughs> has it's never occurred to her that this is going to be hard work mm-hmm. to be able to control this. And Derek has to be like... Or Peter has to be like, yeah, you have to like work at this. It's like a, a mental game. And a lot of people use, you know, talismans and charms and stuff. Mantras. To, yeah, mantras to channel their energy and all sorts of therapeutic situations. And Kate has never considered once that this is a mental game as much as it is a, is a physical one. Um, and that's a really interesting thing. But because she's so dead set on this being easy for her, uh, she's actually taking the long way and misdirects a lot of people in a lot of different directions, um, mm-hmm. including getting Derek to take her to the vault. Um, the hail vault. And it's really sad to see him trust her. Yeah. Adult Derek would be so dis- like disgusted with himself. She also kisses him Ugh. under the bridge. And I know that we're meant to think she's not in real life that much older than Derek, but, but she is in that moment. Gross. It's really, it's really um, unsettling, and that is totally the point. It, the point was yeah. to make you feel unsettled to watch this adult woman kiss a teenage boy. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and it, it and it just, I think what it really does is remind you just of how manipulative manipulative that relationship was uh, at its inception, um, and how her how deep her claws went into Derek and that's why she's able to get he not only does he let her in the vault he does he does the password in front of her Mm -hmm. really strange really like he is clearly like this is the only person because it's so far the only person he's remembered well I find it um interesting that when they go to find Peter and tell him what's going on he asks what color Derek's eyes were and mentions that if they're blue and they are, then that is after Paige. And so Derek has been through this horrible moment of being responsible for killing the person that he really, really loved. Um, and then we also know that he and Kate were involved. So all these traumas, these compounding traumas, and then he meets the one person who is legitimately familiar to him and who clearly showed him like love and affection. Mm-hmm. Of course he's taken in. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you think that the Kate thing happened not so long after 
page. Yeah. Then she scooped in while he was vulnerable because she's a horrific person. I think that's the implication. Yeah. Yeah. And and that, and, you know, that sort of shows that this misdirection is, uh, you know, not exactly planned out, but has been a long game thing for Kate, mm-hmm. that she would always be able to have something over Derek, um, mm-hmm. which is sad and interesting and also tells us a lot about Derek and why he's so self-hating and stuff. Yeah. Uh, an interesting vein that they could have delved into and then never did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Kate is doing a lot. And then she comes to realize that the, she has been misled Yeah. In her understanding of the Triskelion. Does Kate actually have anything to do with the Deadpool or did I make that up? I honestly have no idea. Um, I was going to ask you that because well, oopsie doodle because I don't know. I don't remember for a moment. I had completely forgotten where this episode was going and I thought that it was like the return of Chris and I was like, no, he's not here. No. Uh, Is he in the season? I don't think he is. I think he comes back in five, like in a, a special moment. He maybe comes back like in a fight, I think. Maybe like the very end of four um, huh. of this one. But yeah, so he shows up. <laughs> and then, but then my question is like, the Berserkers, I guess, are clearly tied to Kate. Yes. Um, and not, they were just conveniently there. And whoever stole the Deadpool had to know. So maybe sold they money. were working together. Maybe. I do like the idea that like, if you make a Berserker, it's yours, which is fucked up everything about the berserkers is so fucking scary. Yeah. But I also, I mean, I find it interesting because wouldn't you, I guess you could make a berserker, but the implication is that like they took that on and they made themselves berserkers. Oh, maybe, Um, but she makes Scott a berserker and then he obeys her at the end. So, so maybe she did just kidnap some people. Maybe that's what happened to some of those hunters in the, Calavera family? Calavera. Cal- thank you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Calavera family. Um, maybe. Yeah. The Berserker's terrifying. Yes. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, Lydia. Mm-hmm. Lydia takes an interesting role in this episode. It feels very weird to me that she's volunteering to, to babysit Derek. And I don't really think she has ulterior motives. But why why do you think that she takes that on? I think it's a multitude of things. I think it probably just has to do with sheer curiosity. Yeah. This is so bizarre. Also, just in the fact that if you're thinking about, well, what is my position in the pack compared to both of these people? And Deaton is like, well, you guys haven't been to school in three months. True. And, and Lydia's a genius. And Lydia's so. a genius. So she's like, well, skipping school isn't going to hurt me Mm -hmm. basically. So taking one for the team there. Um, but I, I don't know. I think she just kind of wants to know more about her Banshee powers and maybe she can figure something out with Derek. Maybe she thinks that she can figure out how to help if she stays there long enough. Um, we don't really get a good enough reason. Those are all plausible in my mind, but I would have liked a little bit more reasoning. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think she does a lot of misdirecting in this episode. Um, other than the misdirection she gives because she's operating under the force of her fancy powers. Like she takes Kira to the gas station and like, they're kind of just hanging out and she's like, Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, fill the tank up. And then she goes only to discover a dead body. Like she's being 
not she's being not misdirected, but it is taking her away from what would be sort of the main action of the show because she is being um Abandoned. guided by her yeah, by yeah. her power. Yeah. That scene is really gross. It's disgusting. I love the little moment uh where Kira realizes that her tank is completely full. Mm-hmm. Um and then that leads to like the horrible realization of not just a dead body, but like ripped apart. Yeah. There's brain matter on the floor. Yeah. Clearly. Um, it's gross. They also have just like a lovely little moment. Just the two girls. They do. The it, car. it doesn't quite pass the back to test. No, cause they are talking about men. Scott. But, um, but I think it's really, I, we have not seen a lot of, um, interaction between those two as friends mm-hmm. it's really nice to see them being so trusting with each other um i think lydia really needs a girlfriend oh yeah after allison's passing um and and kira Kira's being very really vulnerable with her when she asks her like would you be mad at me mm-hmm. for shocking you if the tables had been turned and lydia's like no she needs to hear that because she is Feels and I we mentioned this in the last episode that like it doesn't really matter that it was out of her control. She feels immense guilt for shocking Scott um, under the you know force of the Calaveras. Yeah. Well, um, but I, yeah. I also think now that I'm a little bit removed from that, um, we don't see Kira using her electricity powers. She's a lightning kitten or, or whatever. Um, but I think perhaps she's scared of her own powers and what she could possibly do to people. Um, and so seeing herself like electrocute Scott, even though she had no choice, it's like, was that, am I going to do that to him someday? Yeah. Accidentally. And, and fear of her own powers ends up being sort of her main, her main, um, uh, obstacle this season. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting that it's starting in this way, that it starts with sort of, you know, man-made electricity. And then she sort of, um, internalizes that. Um, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about Malia. Who is mostly just being misdirected by other people. Mm -hmm. And she has a moment with Peter where you are so sure that Peter is going to tell her. And he doesn't. And it's like... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 And it makes me sad because Malia, uh, as we mentioned, is... Was a feral child. (laughs) It is not... Does not have the mental faculty to um, constantly be on the same playing field as everybody else and is at the mercy of other people directing her. And luckily we have really good people like Styles, who clearly loves her in some way. I don't know if he's in love with her yet um, and wants to take care of her and Scott, who is concerned about her emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't always mean, you know, doing the right thing. And when she's, I don't know, would you tell Malia? I think she'd kill him, I think. <laughs> Peter? Yeah. Um, I mean, at a certain point, it becomes necessary to tell Malia because her mom comes back to town and tries to kill her, which is uh, sad. Um, so she should probably know why. But sometimes I think not knowing is better. Um, she has no way of knowing. And also her dad um, clearly is like a wreck. So if we did tell her and then she just decided to hop off to be with Peter, not that she would, but that is a possibility. You don't know that for sure. Yeah. Um, you would upend her father's life again. Yeah. So it's not just one person that you're messing with. Um, I don't know that I would. Would you? I am like a, 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 a staunch believer in the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm never brutally honest because I don't think there's such a thing, but I don't really believe in keeping things from people that affect their lives. That's fair. I, I just think she's so new. Yeah. She's so new. Um, and Styles is like a fixer. He just wants to fix her. Yes. Um, just like he wanted to fix Scott. And, like, he tries to fix his dad all the time. Yes. Um, so, of course, he doesn't want anything else Why to Why would I deal with my own emotional pain <laughs> when I can focus on other people's? And, uh, yeah, harass them. Yeah. Um, I just, I think that we're, I, again, like, Malia is at the mercy of the people around her. And it's really lucky that the people around her are so good. But we're going to ultimately see that backfire in different ways as the season progresses mm-hmm. um and I'm, I'm i'm excited to see how it how it goes we should talk about baby derek <laughs> baby derek. again another person who is at the mercy of the people around him and no one really has his best interest in mind which stinks <laughs> except for kind of Raphael, but he's just being a dad yeah sweet baby derek does not know abc's no like he is so lost um, and just a perpetual look of confusion on that actor's face the whole time they did such a good casting job he looks like a baby Tyler like Hecklin. A, a baby Tyler Hecklin. Um, I, I'm impressed every time I think about him and every time he like shows up on screen, which is not very often. Um, but yeah, he not only is he like 15 and no longer an adult. So when you're 15, you're kind of at the mercy of adults yeah. <laughs> who are in charge of you. You know, you have to go to school. You can't go hang out at burned down remnants of a house. What? That's what I was doing when I was 15. You can't harass I'm not even joking. Deputies. <laughs> uh, so he he does not know anything. And is, is because just, you know, it's in his nature or whatever, latches on to Scott to be the, the person who is supposed to, you know, show him the way. And um, even asks for Scott after Raphael tells him that his family died in a fire. And it, Kate just gets there just in time. To, to sway, you know, his mm-hmm. allegiances. And it, you just think that if Scott had gotten there, would he be able to talk Derek out of going with Kate? You know, what would that, that conversation look like? Because um, he, I mean, like, everybody in the show just has, like, inherent trust for Scott, which is, like, the vibes he must admit are immaculate, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so pure of heart. Literally, that is how he became an alpha. Yeah. But when you're 15, you are rash and um, impulsive and you're probably going to go with the devil, you know, and... Well, he doesn't even think she's the devil. No, not yet, no. Um, and it's really easy to be manipulated. And it's really funny that he's 15 and I think the... Probably supposed to be about 15. And the rest of the cast is now at the point where they're like supposedly 17, 18. I think they mentioned that Lydia's 18 in this season to get away with the creepy Paris shit. Um, ugh. Ugh, we'll get there. We'll yeah. get there. And there's a clear age difference between them mm-hmm. in maturity. And like, they've obviously gone through a lot more than even baby Derek has at that point, even with Paige. Mm-hmm. And um, you see it. And uh, it's really easy when you are scared, alone, and young to let people push you in the wrong direction. Yeah. Peter makes a comment that I think is actually kind of funny when they are trying to figure out how to help Derek get away from Kate because uh, they've just found out while they're at his loft. And Peter is like, uh, well, uh, among the three of us, none of us is a brain trust. Like, I am very smart, but I'm not a genius, basically. And 
Um, I think the only person who is allowed to be a genius is Lydia and they Derek, call her. Yeah, she, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but Derek has already been manipulated by Peter. Like he already saw the consequences of his actions when Paige dies mm-hmm. and he may not have immediately connected those two things, but the implication is that Derek is not stupid and yet, yeah, there he goes. And yet. But I mean, again, like the people who jump into your life to comfort you at your most vulnerable, you establish like a very secure connection with, and it's really hard to see that they might not have your best interest in mind. Yeah. He is very much blinded by whatever relationship that he had with Kate. And I kind of wish I don't, I do not love when the show does flashbacks, but I kind of wish that we had seen a little bit of it instead of just being told over and over yeah, again. Yeah. They should have cast a young Kate. Yeah. Yeah. Because that would have made a lot more sense. Yes. To us as viewers as to how Derek could be manipulated in such yeah. a way. Plus, I love pe- I love knowing people's damage, you know? It's half mm-hmm. the fun. What's your damage, Heather? Yes. I love to know. Yeah. Um, should we move into Q's nose? Let's do it. Okay. Here's a question. Yeah. So the animal clinic is lined with mountain ash. Mm-hmm. How the fuck can Scott get in there? It's never explained, and it's not like he's doing the whole, like, pushing through the mountain ash thing he does in 3A, like, every time. Is the back door just like two feet of not being lined with mountain ash? Because he only ever goes in the back, I guess. That is kind of my assumption. Um, And because most people wouldn't think to go in through the back door, I guess. um, Perhaps that's it. But also like when they um, mountain proof ash his house, he's like, well, I can't finish this. My mom has to be home because she has to like break the mountain ash against the door mm-hmm. to complete the circle. So maybe it's something like that. Oh, maybe. Um, I don't know. It's very weird. Yeah. Like he, I don't know if he, it's not that he has some special werewolf pass. Like he got through the mountain ash that one time, but that was one time that it was one time. Um, I don't know. Maybe he wears special shoes. I couldn't really tell you. He wears special <laughs> shoes. Well, they can't, they can't, it's not even that the front door is guarded by mountain ash. It's literally just the countertop. I have no idea. That, if, if Kate, I'd use the back door anyway. Mm-hmm. I love that Deaton never seems to have any kind of receptionist. Weird. Ever. They'd all quit. They Oh, they'd be like, this is some weird it, ass you shit. You know how they mention how nobody will work security at the school anymore? Yeah. Because people keep dying. Yeah, nobody is working at, as the receptionist to... The veterinary practice. He seems to never have patience except for that one dog that Isaac cried over. Yeah, and all the cats who, like, committed cat suicide (laughs) in in their cages, which I'm really glad they never explained how that happened. Yeah. Because I'd be really upset. Um, Yeah, it doesn't make any dang sense to me. No. Do you have any questions? Um... Just like a fun thought exercise. Oh, okay. No. What else do you think is in the vault? Oh, oh my God. I would love to look around in there. Mm-hmm. I always have moments like that where I'm like, wait, hold on. I needed to read the plaque in that museum scene. Yes. Yeah. Because when they're panning over it, um, there's like little, you know, glass cloches and they're like things in them. Yeah. And you're like, you know, what at the end of there? national treasure. Yes. I want to spend an hour in there. <laughs> I could spend an hour in the Captain America exhibit in Winter Soldier at the Smithsonian. I want to see what's in the. I want to see what's in the displays. I always want to know. That is what I. A positive thing about like the first Pirates of the Caribbean is they spend a really long time on that island with all the cursed gold. Yeah, and I'm like, I have seen it. This satisfies me. Yes, but there's a lot of stuff where I'm like, I want to know more. I want to know more because also the the Hale family 
as indicated by this whole discussion of the vault, is old. Yeah. It's really old. What if they collected? What did they know? Are there books? Are there journals? Are there books? You know what I think about sometimes? Like, hmm. um... Claire Denis, who I've talked about before on the podcast because I love her famed French director, uh, talks about how when she looks through a camera, she wants to touch things with the camera or make you feel like you'd be able to reach out and touch, which ends up giving her a lot of like very slow, very in-depth shots of scenery. Mm-hmm. And like up close stuff, like um, I think like the garden and high life and like a bunch of other things. And I wish everybody was like, yeah, I'm going to let you guys touch it. I want to touch it. Let me touch it. Yes. Yeah. I, I just find it really interesting that this is season four and we have heard literally nothing about the hail vault and with everything that they have faced, I kind of wish that we had, there'd be like, Oh, there's something in the vaults that'll help us with this because mm-hmm. the implication is that there's just like the Triskelion and money in there. Like, and that's forgive, clearly not true. Forgive this pun, but this is kind of a hail Mary. No, I think they needed to add on to the mythology and didn't know how to do it. Um, in a way that they could have introduced it earlier or they didn't have time or I don't know. Or they literally just didn't think of it. Um, <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Do you have I, any observations? Yeah. Um, okay. So as someone who's worked in special education, it really bothers me. Yes. Um, the way that Malia is treated in school. Yes. She's been in Eichenhaus. Uh-huh. Everybody knows, like nobody really knows what happened in those eight years except for like the sheriff. He's the only real adult who knows about that? And so there is just a gap of eight years to account for. So you have no idea what her education would be, yada, yada. And the way to handle that would be to do some sort of assessment and come up with an IEP, which is an individualized education program that a teacher puts in place. And you can be in like normal school situations, but it allows you to have extra time for tests, things like that. Or at home tutoring and stuff like that. There are support systems in place. They're not very good. I will admit that. Um, We're all still learning and not doing a very good job at disability advocacy, especially in schools. But, like, they would do something for her. Yeah. Something. So that she didn't walk around with seven highlighters sticking out of various orifices. Tainal, ableist, it's more likely than you think. More likely. Uh, That said, I I also am in the camp of, like, if they did do something like that, would they have handled it completely inappropriately? Maybe. Well, it's just frustrating to me that we have automatically accepted that Malia is of an emotional maturity to be having sex. That's true. Um, So we've just accepted that and we're like, well, we're going to move on because otherwise I'm going to rip my hair out overthinking about that. Yeah. Um, But we can't do the same thing with like her intellectual capabilities. Like clearly she doesn't have a lot of general knowledge that you get when you go through the school system. No, I will say she doesn't seem... Stupid. No, not no, at all. No, I think what she's missing, it seems, is general knowledge. Yes. And so, but it like. She can read and she's trying and she's working on it. It's just about giving her the tools to catch up. Mm-hmm. But they didn't do that. They didn't do it at all. And I'm sure that they wanted to use it as like comedy. And also, you know, one of my favorite tropes in media, this is why like Sleepy Hollow was so successful, is like old man's been in a tree for 200 years, doesn't know how to work the shower. Like, yes, stuff like that is very funny. Mm-hmm. But when you put it in a high school situation, I'm like, ah, yeah, no. Yeah. No. 
Um, any other observations? Um, yeah, we talked about how funny this episode is. Um, the sheriff's little moment where he's like, time travel. Yeah, that's yeah. one of my observations. That interaction <laughs> with him and Styles is so funny because I too would be like, I'm out. I'm out. Also, it's funny that they're like, no, it's not time travel. It's actually way more complicated <laughs> than that. <laughs> Sometimes it's worse. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I feel like we haven't had a lot of Styles Sheriff. We didn't even get that much at the end of 3B, which is annoying because that's when it would have really been helpful. And every time Styles and his dad are in a room together, I'm like, I will laugh. And that is, I mean, they're going to laugh or cry. And that's what I want out of this media experience. Yeah. Yeah. They have such a good moment, really great energy together. Yeah. Um, okay, here's an observation. That mm-hmm. moment in the loft when they when Peter realizes that Kate's come back from the dead and he's like, can anything in this town stay dead? And Malia's like, I think they were hoping you would. I was like, get him. You tell him. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. It's true. It's also very funny to think of Malia like being told all of this when she wasn't there and then she meets Peter and you're like, oh, yeah. Because she didn't see him in his creepy, weird alpha face. No, she never saw him with the scars or the leather jacket. She just rolls up to see some real doucher who looks like he smells like Axe. And she's like, ew. Um, Low-key, I missed a leather jacket. Not that one in particular. It was too long. But um, why doesn't he get to wear one anymore? Yeah, Derek gets to. Derek also gets to ride a motorcycle or drive his car. But Peter doesn't have a personality besides being snarky. <laughs> Which is fine. And hot. Oh, yeah. He's very hot <laughs> in his white v-neck. Ugh. Um, oh, there are kids sledding over there. I'm so sorry. I just looked out the window and there are children sledding on the snowbank. Yay! Over there. Okay. Oh, snow. Fuck what we said earlier about the weather. This is great. I love when kids get to be happy. Yes. Um. Oh, my last observation is the baseball bat. I just like when it's there. I love that Styles has a bat. Yeah. Um. We... We touched on the berserkers really briefly, but the production design for them is so, 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 so excellent. And I think a lot, all of the cinematography for them, because clearly if they turned on the lights and zoomed in, we'd be like, that's just a shirtless man in a bone suit. <laughs> but because of the way it's filmed and stylized, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of the sound editing that happens with the noise and the way that Malia describing how they smell, yes. it's so effective. It is like a very much a five cents piece of... Um, their costuming. Oh, the, the way the, the bones clack. Yes. Ew. So good. So good. I will say that in certain shots, it really looks like they're wearing crop tops, which is very funny to very me. Very sexy. <laughs> into it. Kind of takes the edge off of like, these things are legitimately terrifying. And giant, the way they're filmed, and clearly the actors are probably in lifts or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. they, they're so... Um, overpowering in any situation. And the fact that Peter is that scared of them is like, oh shit, we gotta go, right? Peter loves to run away. He loves to run away. And we love to watch him <laughs> run away. He really books it up those stairs oh my God, too. Yeah. He was going like three at a time. I was very impressed. How many times did they film that scene and how sore was Ian Bowen the next day being like, oh God. I, I would have eaten shit at least two or three times. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, because running upstairs, going upstairs at any time is like, like dangerous. I fall on my face a lot more often when I go upstairs than I do downstairs. Like you just fall forward. You don't fall forward going downstairs. Walking downstairs is very difficult. (laughs) Walking upstairs is very easy. I don't know why we're at, why we've (laughs) met a disagreement here. (laughs) Um, No, I just like, I, I think 
some of the most embarrassing moments in my life have been when I've fallen upstairs. Uh-huh. So I just think about them more often. I saw TikTok that it was like, uh, things that no one tells you about becoming an adult is how upsetting and embarrassing it is to fall down. <laughs> it's really <laughs> pathetic. Like when toddlers fall down, you're like, oh, yeah. When you fall down, you're like, I've had a really bad, bad day. day. <laughs> yeah. Um, was that the last of your observations? Yeah, I... Um, overall had a really good time. Loved that, um, Derek has yellow eyes and yeah. he has been reborn. Thanks Jesus. It feels very <laughs> significant, particularly with the fact that Derek is like, I can change into a wolf now at the mm-hmm. end of this, um, yeah. series. So yeah, I had fun. Well paced and not overcomplicated fun episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I enjoyed myself. Cool. Uh, pack stats. Pack stats. We'd eight eyes. Cool. At a certain point, I kind of stopped counting them because it was like the same character in the same moment. Um, but yeah, it was really fun. We had a really good little look down, look up moment from Scott when he's talking to young Derek in the police station. Um, three claws. Mm-hmm. No, like, ching moments. No, because Isaac's gone. But, um, you know, there's lots of fighting mm-hmm. that goes on. Um, no shirts off. Two ads. I feel like this has been the first time in a while. Yeah. That there are the two ads. I don't really consider the Jeep at this point to be an ad or ever because it's such a fixture of the show. No, that like, <laughs> that would be like, oh, yeah, the Impala at Supernatural is a Chevy ad. No, um, it's a character. A very effective Chevy ad. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we had a Toyota car and some Samsung. There was some phone action, which I don't particularly like. Um, when she pulls, like, the lens out of the back of her phone, I was like, God, that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Like, oh, Scott, God. just take her word for it. Why did you need to see it? Because the advertisers paid for us to see it. That's true. Yeah. Though, and we've only had one siren. Cool. Cool with so, it. Yeah. Uh, do you have an alpha of the week? Oh, gosh. Um, honestly, mm, I kind of want to give it to Derek. Yeah, I'll I give it to Derek. I give it to I, Derek. Lo- I love my cousin Miguel, and it's cool that he's born again at the end. Yeah, he went through a lot this week. Yeah. Honorary mention to Kira just for being cool a badass when she pulls out yeah as lydia says when Mm -hmm. she pulls out when she pulls out the sword and she's gonna go fight the berserkers i was like yes yes Um, we love her yes we do i think that about wraps it up yeah oh yeah cool well um if you guys like this episode of the teen wolf rewolf we hope that you review us on itunes if you leave us five stars and leave us a review we'll give you a shout out on twitter and read it on the pod uh if you want to find us on twitter our handle is at teen wolf underscore rewolf which is also our instagram handle you can find us on tumblr at teen wolf rewolf and on facebook at teen wolf rewolf podcast just answer the questions and we'll let you in the group and you can share the memes and hang out with us um other than that we hope you guys have a wolf of a week Ah, woo!